Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily. It is a big day for a lot of NHL franchises, most notably the ones all involved in the NHL Draft Lottery, which is happening tonight. Talk about that. You take on some hashtag Ask Billy questions and much more. We bring in the man right now from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, what'd you think of that Toronto game going down 3-0-3 against the Florida Panthers as they lost in overtime? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you live by overtime, you die by overtime in the playoffs. Um, I mean, if you think, think how big OT was for Toronto getting through that that first round series in the first place, um, and now there, there's such there's such a difference between a one game in the playoffs opposed to regular season makes make such a difference. You know, you're you're down you're down two to one. You feel like you're back in the series. You you lose that overtime, and now. You know, I mean, it's the, the ultimate mountain to climb in the playoffs. And even if you do somehow get through it, it takes so much out of you. Yeah. It's so you know, it's so hard to, to take those remaining steps. I mean, that was a truly a must-win overtime for them. Um, and now, uh, you know, I don't don't know where it goes from there. Uh, you know, to, to get to get swept in the second round would be would be a pretty bitter pill for those guys. Yeah, and 13 years ago, as of taping this, so Sunday, was the day that Simone Gagne actually extended the series to a game six between the Flyers and the Bruins when they went down 0-3. So yeah. maybe they gags to come in there and give them a little little speech at the uh, before game four to try and keep it alive for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we'll see. I mean, they got out of the first round. Everybody thought, oh, here comes a contract extension for Kyle Dubas and Sheldon yeah. Keefe. You get swept in the second round. Let's get the agent back on the phone here. Maybe well, that's not- well for sure. There's going to be, you know, if I mean, listen, if the Rangers were still playing now, right? I mean, uh, yeah, if the Rangers went down the went down the second round, I think Galan would have held his job. In Toronto, you know, listen, I mean, the truth of the matter is they haven't been to a Cup final since there were six teams in the league, let alone winning a Cup. So you, you know. So you could understand why there's so much pressure every year on that team, and especially in that market. Yeah, all of a sudden you go on the second round, especially by sweep or even in five. Then all of a sudden all the uh, the questions as to whose job is on the line, um, you know, do they clean house on the roster or, uh, after going on the first round in so many straight years and going on the second round in, in quick fashion. I mean, that uh, – uh, all those questions come right back. You know, it was funny. I saw this tweet. I think it was by Jake Farrander on Twitter. If I'm remembering that right, it's either Jake or it was a JB PHI who said, Gerard Gallant's got the shelf life that everybody thinks John Tortorella has. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does he just irritate people behind the scenes because he wins bill, but he gets fired in short order everywhere he goes. He must be a real pain in the, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. No, f- for sure. For sure, because you, you do start to wonder after a while. Go, go back to the, the Vegas job. It looked like he'd be there long, long time. Maybe you know, maybe not a uh, Barry Trotz kind of thing, right? But but certainly a lot longer tenure. You figure you'd have there. And I mean, look at the Rangers' points percentage the last two years. I I, I defy them to bring in someone better. You know, bring in someone who will do better than that at least in the regular season. So yeah, it it, it, ha- it has to be it has to be it's a behind the scenes thing that if that if he's winning, you put up with it, and, and if you lose in the postseason, then you know, well, 
you find you find ways to part ways, right? Yeah, he, the aggravation is not worth it. You know, the funny yeah. thing is though is he's not Artemi Panarin. He came up small in that series. Sure. Their stars did for the most part, yeah. and we're yeah. seeing the same thing in the second round with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, where were the where was Tavares? Where was Matthews? Where was Marner? Nylander on the score sheet in that pivotal game three. They were nowhere to be found. They weren't even omnipresent in the game, which brings us to tonight, Bill, because tonight is an opportunity at star talent. And somebody had tweeted me and said, you know, one player doesn't fix everything. And I totally agree. Whether If the Flyers win the lottery and they end up with Bedard, that is not a cure-all. You still have the difficult task of building a team around a star player. And sometimes that's that's a difficult thing to do as well. Uh, yeah. Look at Edmonton. Look at these teams with superstar type players. Uh, but what's going to take place tonight? And I know you got the story up in the, the different scenarios for the Flyers and the mathematical odds on all of them. I'm not a math expert, but am I right in assuming that the Flyers have basically like almost a 14% chance of ending up with one or two? Can you combine the two? Because I know there's two drawings tonight. Yeah, I, I... Um, I mean, I, I think I, I tend to look at what your percentage is for the round because it's not like, oh, well, if we're not picking this round, we still, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, I mean, but but what you do have is you have a better chance of picking first or second than you have of picking ninth. You know, the obviously the biggest possibility is you stand put at, at number seven, um, but then then when you start going down the line there, you know. Yeah, you dropping one spot to eight, then I think it comes picking, you know, picking first or second, um, and then dropping the ninth is about about a five percent chance. And, yeah. yeah, and then there's a that minuscule chance of picking third, which uh, a lot of us, including myself, initially forgot that that possibility even existed. Um, maybe we should explain how that could happen. Although there's a ninety nine point eight percent chance that it doesn't. Yeah, we won't uh, spend too much time on it. Basically, Ottawa can only move up 10 spots, so if they were to win right. the lottery, then they could fall into the three spots. If Ottawa, if Ottawa wins the first and the, the Flyers win the second drawing. Yeah. So Ottawa pick second, Flyers pick third, Anaheim and pick first. Um, and if it reverses, then obviously the Flyers pick first, and Ottawa still picks second, and then Anaheim picks third. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's – um. A lot of lottery reform over the last couple of years, but what we do know is the players that are at the top of it, and that's Bedard, and that seems to be no question about it when it comes to him being the number one overall. Fantilli is number two. After that, it gets a little, it gets a little, you know, up to, you know, how you evaluate. I saw Bob McKenzie's rankings, and he didn't have Meechkoff number three. Bill, he actually had a player from the U.S. National Team Development Program number three. I was a little surprised to see where he had him. Yeah, I. I, I was too because it seems that more and more the consensus has kind of become Carlson. So, but you know, then then again, on the other hand, you you win a gold medal in a major tournament, and you'll see you'll see a lot of those guys get boosted. Um, the Team USA guys, also some of the Sweden guys too. Yeah, recency um, bias. Yeah, there, there, there definitely is, uh, and uh, you, know, you always have your second half climbers in, in general. I mean, one thing. One thing you could say with this year's draft, um, I mean, there, there's always going to be variables. I, I couldn't see the first nine picks all being forwards. This is a forward-heavy draft. There's some good defensemen there, too, and I don't recall a draft where the first nine picks are all forwards. There's usually defensemen in there somewhere, and that's, you know, 
if it's if it's in the top six somewhere, although maybe maybe that won't happen, then somebody falls to the Flyers if their their best player available is a forward. So there, there's just a lot of scenarios. This is a this is a this is a good draft to be picking in the top ten because it uh, inevitably you know there's going to be players that don't take a little to take a little longer to develop. Maybe some guys have injuries, but these are good prospects. They you have a pretty good chance of going right and getting a good NHL player. Obviously, if you want the superstar, if you can, but um, but get, getting someone who's going to help your club, hopefully for a lot of years, yeah, you have pretty good odds of that. And the thing is, is you know, you get to that five range, and four forwards are off the board, and you wonder if team at five says, "Do we want the fifth ranked forward, or do we want the number one ranked defenseman?" Right. And we know the value right. of the D man in the NHL. And that, that could be part of the equation as well. Let's get to some Ask Billy questions. We put out the tweet, put the hashtag Ask Billy, and here's what we got. Uh, we got Notorious P.I.G. His first tweet says, what will you do if the Flyers win the lottery, and why will it be running naked down Broad Street? <laughs> so, I mean, obviously there's a lot of excitement around this tonight and a lot of anticipation. And, look, if the Flyers don't move up, if they stay at seven or they move to eight, God forbid, nine, and – you know, people are going to say, oh, see, winning those games late in the year, you know, that costs you. And, and that all depends, obviously, on who ends up with one, two, or three, or whatever. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, look, Columbus and, and Chicago both had their had their chance to finish last. And they, they, they won games in the final week. And, uh, you know, winning a game, I mean, that the, the upset against Pittsburgh had everything to play for, right? And you, just, you, just never, you just never know. You just never know how, you know, teams, I don't care who they are, they're just not wired to tank. Players are not wired to tank. So, you know, the, you can you can try to pare down the roster as much as you can, but you, you can't guarantee a loss. And, you know, players have a lot of things to play for. The players don't care where the team no. drafts. That's just the truth. And yeah. the coaches, by and large, don't care where the team drafts. Because a lot of times, too, it's, Hey, you know, if you finish low enough, look at, uh, you know, Eakins, right? As well, <laughs> nice job getting us the first pick. Uh, you know, you're relieved of your duties. Yeah. So, and, and it just seems like it's more work to do when you do that as well, and you dismantle things. I mean, to me, if I'm a GM and I'm trying to tank, first of all, it wouldn't be my philosophy. But if yeah. I'm trying to do it, I'm just getting a goalie that can't give me saves. That's the best way to lose in yeah. the NHL to me uh mitchell tweets in and says um do you go best player available with a pick or draft need base so high in a deep draft i feel like best player available and build around later pick or a weaker draft look more position based no and he says and if you're briere how high on your list are you are moving kevin hayes one defenseman and one right winger so let's start with the first part let's say the flyers stay at seven is this the best player available situation for the flyers because there's a lot of needs that they have bill Right wing is yeah, not one of them, but they do have a lot of needs. No, I mean they have needs all over the ice, of the, except for except for goalie, even you know. Um, so and you're not pick, you know, there's, there's no goalie this year. There's no flurry kind of situation. So um, it's obviously going to be a position player. To me, you always, to me, you always with your first pick go best player available. I think that that that's always the way to go. And, don't overthink it. No, don't don't overthink it, and. Um, you know, although the Flyers have needs at center, if the guy you pick is a natural winger, but you, you know, view him as a guy with an upside to be an impact winger, you can use those too. And even as a right winger, 
Hey, you know what? Trading from depth is how you want to trade anyway. Yeah. You, you never you never want to trade from a position of weakness. So um so to me to me I always go the guy that you rank as the, the best player. Uh, as far uh, now, as Briere uh, on moving Kevin Hayes, one defenseman, one right winger, that kind of the checklist he has, you think when uh, he has that interim tag removed, maybe as soon as the end of this week? I, I think for sure. I, I think that, that that's kind of been the game plan going in. Um, Kevin Hayes in particular expects that to go down. He, he didn't really didn't really make any bones about the fact that he doesn't think he'll be here next year. And, you know, the, the, it's not his decision. It's management's decision. You know, to me, to me, my only concern with that, again, when I just said it in another context, is I don't want to trade too much from a position of weakness. I, I don't want to go for, for, well, we just got to get rid of this guy. Whatever, whatever it takes to get this guy out of here, because that's when you end up doing something you, you end up regretting. Yeah. So, even if you don't, you know, do as well as you otherwise might, that's just part of the the price of doing this. But but you have to you have to have a cutoff point where you go. You know what? It just we're not we're not doing it. It, it just uh, you know it, it's not going to help us. So I, I, I but I think that I think that they, there are enough scenarios that they will be able to accomplish a lot of these things on the checklist. Uh, well, the other part of it is you have a first time GM. He cannot yeah. go out there and get pushed around in the market. No, no, absolutely, absolutely, because. What you do going forward, teams are going to look at these early moves, Bingo. and and teams are you know teams no question are going to call trying to help <laughs> help you out, and and you gotta you know you gotta really you gotta proceed with caution. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, I would expect that, uh, and I uh, when you when I say a defenseman being moved, you it's most likely Ivan Provorov because. Sandheim's contract kind of precludes that. He's he's signed for eight years now. Um, you know, although, although the no trade doesn't kick in till till the summer, but um, you know, but, it, but everybody knows it's coming. So I, I don't think Sandheim moves anywhere. Um, you know, then then you kind of go down now. Now, could you see uh, Aristolainen after kind of a nice year this year? You mean you know what? Uh, it's a multi-year deal. We we view ourselves as a contender. Maybe we'll take a stab at that, but you're not you're not looking at a big return, though. Um, you know, I, I but I, but I do see a defenseman, and I don't know if a right winger gets moved. I think it's more likely, uh, maybe, maybe somebody gets moved, or maybe you just try a guy on his off wing. I mean, yeah. the, Fly- Wait, Allison, the Flyers, yeah, the, the the Flyers aren't so deep that that's uh, that they're they're locked in, in in that way. I mean, they can they can try things. Yeah. Um. So let's get to the next question here. It comes from CH70. He says, so say the Flyers do get the top overall pick. Do you take the safe pick with Bizarre, or do you try and make a deal with whoever ends up with the second overall pick? You still get either Bedard or Fantilli, plus maybe additional assets. You buy into that at all? I just, I don't even mess around here. I just take, if I get the top no, pick. I, I, take- I, I, take, I just take Bedard. Yeah. I take Bedard. I, I don't overthink it. Um, you know, no, I, and, and you know, the team is picking second overall, they're generally not going to try to move up to first anyway. Yeah, the, the they're, they're gonna... in these kind of drafts, like, like the, the yeah. Austin Matthews draft with Jack Eichel, like those teams weren't yeah. fiddle farting with this kind of stuff. No, no, they, they, they sure weren't. And, and in general, 
team, how often the teams anymore trade that first overall pick? <laughs> you know, you got to go back, right? It's yeah. it's it's not it's not very common for teams to move the, the, the those first couple of picks. Again, uh, you got to go back a ways. I think there's sometimes rumors that are out there. You hear stuff on the draft floor, and then when all is said and done, keep teams keep their picks for the most part. But yeah, the, I agree. I mean, I, I got a couple responses from people saying you know do it what would it take to move up to number one a lindros type deal a savalin forest just for fun in the spirit of lindros what would a package look like to acquire bedard as the first pick heart tk <laughs> gochier in the 2024 first look i there's i don't think there's a gm in the world that's going to move a pick like that the guy is just he's sensational and he's so marketable that yeah. even the yeah. a hall of picks like the herschel walker deal deal in the nfl you just don't see that happen. It just doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I, I think the scenario, if this were to even be a, you know, play through the scenario, I think you have to go a lot, a lot like Lindros. You got to go a year out, and he's still unsigned. Yeah, and then and now we can walk in another year, and now you realize, hey, we're not going to get him signed. We got to move him, and um, and the time There's to move a lot him of things that went into that behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, with, sure. Yeah, sure. with. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole the whole reason why he wouldn't play didn't come back in the first place with his parents and uh, all all of that, all of that. But but just just in a scenario where you get a year out and Bedard won't play for you, uh, and he, even then, you know, the the offers that, that were coming in for Lindros, it, it was a different way of thinking back then. Yeah, you know. Um, but the the offers of teams like Chicago we're making and um the rangers i mean the rangers the rangers last second counter offer with the flyers was probably probably as good as the flyers offer or not maybe you know in some ways you can view it as a little bit better um so uh, and and those also involve what was about 14 or 15 million dollars cash on top of all that yeah yeah i mean you're you i mean i just only well you, you can move that much cash in, in a trade but you know what what would it look like well, it, it would certainly involve your probably your next couple of first round picks, your number one prospect, and I and three roster players. It would it would require the inability to build a team around a player like the exactly. is what it would do. Exactly. You know, so. the other part of it too is, you know, these things like they just don't happen like this in today's NHL. Yeah. It's so different. And <laughs> I mean, if you're the GM that trades him away and the package, like in hindsight, what Colorado slash Quebec got it worked, <laughs> but there was a, it was far different circumstance. Simon Costigan tweets in Billy says, Hashtag ask Billy if you're Danny Briere on draft night and Meechkov falls in your lap due to the issues in Russia, do you risk drafting him giving what's happened with Fedotov? Still, he said, still loving Flyers daily and stick to ho- hockey and also American Wit said, Are we going to draft the Rusky Meechkov even with all the uncertainty? Where are you on Meechkov right now, Bill? <sighs> This is hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably yeah. I'm probably where the uh, where the Flyers are. I'd be a little relieved if he's off the board, so so that someone else makes that decision. You know, the the latest word that I've heard with, with the Russian picks is that it's really going to be case by case, and it's going to be case by case for a number of years. And some guys you might be able to get out of Russia, and other guys might not get out. You know, three years, everybody, you know, he is signed for three more years, but things happen. And 
all of a sudden you have three years, but they the team adds two more years onto that. And they could they could do that at any point. It's it's not like it's not like their CBA says we can't tear up a contract with two years left and extend it. And it's just it's just such a delicate situation. And and so and it's father too and with, with, with yeah. Uh, and and who knows with any of that? It's just, and, and who also knows honestly, what you have to do behind the scenes to to get these to get certain players out. It's yeah, you know, it, it's a huge risk, potential huge reward. Um, I mean, Michkov's upside is is, is obvious. He's um, very flashy, enormously talented. You know, he, he's a guy you, you watch the highlight clips and you just whoa. You know this guy. This guy makes some incredible plays. He, he you know, um, and this is a guy. This is a guy who was has tried the Michigan multiple times in a game. Yeah. You know, uh, which I don't know how that that would play with torts, but uh, you know, be be interesting to find out. But you know, you hear the usual question marks on the well. Is he ever going to play a two way game? Is he, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, honestly. If he gets down to six and seven, eight, um, there's probably there's probably a, a significant amount of concern that maybe even three years you're not going to sign him. Yeah. So, I, I have real I have real concern. To me, there are other viable players, uh, and um, and he, I mean you don't you don't want to relive a Yager scenario, but it's not a Yager scenario. Yeah. You know. So I I, I uh. I tend to lean a little conservative here. I mean, as you know, you and I kind of mused about it a, a month or two ago. Huh, what if he falls to the Flyers? Can, can you pass on that? But since that time, other players have looked really good too, who, who I think who you know you're going to have, who have a good chance of being impact players in their own right. Yeah, so, guys like Dvorak, right, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dalibor Dvorsky, he, he's a guy who – I mean, I, I if if he's at seven, uh, I would be thrilled with that pick, yeah. and, and that's what the Flyers pick. So, uh, I I'd be I'd be a little bit reluctant. And, and and if it's another organization, like like a Washington, for example, where you know the the influence of an Ovechkin can probably can probably have some influence in maybe getting him out and getting him to the NHL, they might be in a different situation. Um. And also teams that maybe have a, a couple of picks in the round too. Maybe you maybe you take a chance. Flyers don't currently have a second round pick, yeah. so if you, you miss in your first and you're not picking until the third, it, it just I, I just I just couldn't take that risk right now. Yeah, you come up empty, and that that's a scenario that is not palatable at this time. Schmitty tweets in for Ask Billy and says, "Will Ivan Fedotov get a qualifying offer?" Any update on what he can do for next season? Now, I think we did see that he's going to go back and play next year in the KHL, uh, but I don't think that. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know all the details here, but I think it's probably pretty unlikely that we ever see him over here. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, again, you honestly, I think part of the contingent of his release from the military and not being sent to the war zone is you're you're coming back to. Uh, you know, CS guy next year, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's what's the alternative, right? That or Siberia. I mean, right, right. So yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah, uh, I'll come back and I'll play. So I, I don't think the chances are too high that he comes. Maybe you know, I, I don't understand why he gets uh, 
gets a year's credit though, because he he and not through any fault of his own, but he didn't fulfill his contract. Yeah, a, a player signs a contract and he doesn't report to camp. He doesn't play a season. Typically, he gets told they told him the year and and uh, would hold him the contract another year out. Um, I don't know if that was an option in this case. But, uh, you know, it just seems odd to me that he goes from having signed a contract, not fulfilling it, and then suddenly he's a restricted free agent. So, I, I you know, one thing I've been meaning to do is to try to get clarification on that. It's just been so much other stuff with the draft. But I don't think, I don't think the odds are great he ever comes over, but you, you try to protect his rights if you can. No doubt. Uh, Alex Arid uh, tweets in and says, he says, this doesn't have to do with the draft, but can you explain the difference between cap hit and real money. He said, with the Flyers' recent cap issues, I've always wondered why real money matters now. Front-loaded contracts are beneficial if the cap hit hits is the same each year. Now, obviously, if the real money is considerably lower than what the cap hit is, teams are trying to get to the salary cap floor. And if you're paying them actual dollars that are less because of the way it's spread out over the contract, i.e. front-loaded, then the cash out the door could be $3 million but the cap hit you take on could be seven million, right? And that that that's exactly that's exactly the benefit right there. That, Sometimes uh, it could be, could be upside down on it too, like a car. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And um, you know, yeah, you're you're absorbing less cap, but there's more more actual money owed. Um, Jake Voracek's contract was kind of that way to to the latter stages of it. There were years in there where the amount owed was was higher. Than the cap hit, um, and then finally it started to reduce towards the latter part of the latter part of the contract. It makes the player movable mm-hmm. on the back end of a deal. On a that, yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's uh, that, that that's the the one reason to do that that way. Yeah. Um, last one. This one comes from uh, Jamie Bascal, of course. He tweets in. He has a good question. He said, "Bill, if the Flyers pick at number seven, which, as we've discussed, is there." Highest odds chance to pick at that seventh pick where they have that 44.4% chance. Who would you be your selection and why? Keep up the great work, guys. Bill Meltzer, I appreciate you. So if you're at seven, I mean, there's a lot we don't know here. We don't know who's going one through six. But who are you targeting there at number seven, in your opinion? And Bill Bill Meltzer's mock draft 2.0, which will run up to a 19.2. Yeah, let's. Uh, um, the one thing I, I think we should do this before the draft. Come up with, you know, come, come up with like a uh, best available player list because that's how yeah. a team would actually do it. And as you cross guys off, whoever's the highest guy on your list, um, you know, just just going on top of my head. I, for example, I don't think Will Smith is going to be there at seven anymore. Uh, he had such a big under 18s that I think now he's going top five. Um, you know, you you have guys like uh, who were hot names for a while, like Moore, and he he seems to have cooled off just a little bit. Leonard seems to be a hot name. Um, we just mentioned Dvorsky. If Dvorsky is there at seven, I have no issues whatsoever taking him. And I know, I know he's not the fastest skater in this draft, but neither is Smith. Yeah. You know, he's just. I think he's a really smart, highly skilled player. Um, has I think he competes hard. He has the one of the best shooters in this draft. Uh, if if this draft works out that, that he flyers pick seventh and he's sitting there at seventh, I have no qualms whatsoever about taking him. 
Yeah, we talked about him last week uh, in your appearance as well. Bill, have you been lucky in your life? I know you got the, your beautiful wife, so you've been lucky there, as I have as well. I'll kick our coverage. But luck is such a fleeting, weird thing. Some, some people you know, just they seem to be so damn lucky. You're like, man, you yeah. always just step in the right spot. And then other people you know, they just got the worst luck. So I don't know what kind of luck Danny Breer has or what this – you know, new regime is going to have. Do we do we get some, you know, clarification after this draft uh, lottery process tonight? I think by the end of the week we start to hear some positions being named for this uh, front office. I think, yeah, I think those are getting close to imminent. They, they, it has to be. Yeah. It has to be because as you're preparing for the draft in the off season, these things need to be all in place. And then, uh, you know, in fairness to Danny, the interim tag has to be off too. So he's your guy, right? So yeah. Nay, you never want to look. Nobody wants to negotiate with an interim. They want to go. Who's the boss? That's who I need to negotiate with. Exactly. Let's exactly. make that clear. I, I wonder this too, Bill. I sent this to you in a text. Who's Danny Breer's right hand man going to be? Because every GM's got a right hand, right? You know, Ron Hextall was Chris Pryor. Yeah. Chuck Fletcher. It was Brent Flair. Brent Flair's still here. But do do you have any indication on who Danny's? You know in those quiet moments can really, they can counsel each other and very trusted right-hand man. Got to have somebody, that. Yeah, no, you do. You do. And it's usually somebody you've played with or worked with or, or, you know, and otherwise, otherwise been, been through the battles with. Um, so, I mean, Danny, that doesn't with Danny is that his track record is, does, does have one. He's building one. Um, I mean, I, I could at least, I, if at least in the first year, I could see it being Brent, for example. Yeah, you know, because they have worked together. They've worked together for a couple of years now, and they made a very specific decision that Brent was going to stay on. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I could see that being Brent. I, I could see, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, like I mean, when I heard Shane Doan's name, I thought in the right. early in the process, we haven't heard his name in forever, but we, we, we heard his name. You heard Whitney's yeah. name. And he, yeah, and those are guys. Well, that that makes total sense, right? It, it's a guy he knows. He, he's you know, good teammates with, and that, that's quite often where you see it go. Um, the other the other thing would be a guy who's been in the front office a long, long time, um, who you're not worried about aiming at your job. He he he, he wants to be there to assist you. Um, you know, I I think I think you could have situations such as that. Um, and what's the title? Is he uh, is he another assistant GM, or is you know uh, we we've heard a lot about what the team president role might be the president of hockey ops, but he's still gonna have to work side by side with Danny. So yeah, I, I, it's gonna be fascinating to see how that works out. But 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 you're right. I think Danny is gonna want and need uh, a right hand man in terms of they implicitly trust one another and they're on the same page most of the time. And if there's a disagreement, he might be a guy Danny might defer to once in a while too. Yeah. And a guy that can step up to him and say, Danny, I think you're wrong on this, you know, yeah. and have that iron sharp sharpens iron type of thing where, Hey, I don't see it that way and not be afraid to have those conversations because you don't want a front office of yes men because you'll get nowhere. For so sure. We'll leave it there. We'll see what happens tonight. Bill, I hope that we talk tonight because if they, if we do, it means that good things happen. 
and we'll be back Tuesday for another episode. If not, we'll be back Wednesday. The Flyers are drafting seventh or eighth or whatever it might be. If they're drafting one, two, or three, we will talk to you tomorrow. So let's just leave it at that and say, read Bill's stuff at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com for all the coverage of the NHL draft lottery and more. And how about this? We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers day.